0: today we're going to be looking at this idea of gospel proclamation as one of the practices that help us to connect with the presence of God in this world. And by the end of this, I want us to take up the challenge of gospel fluency within our life as a community in the close circle. Because I believe that as we build that muscle and practice gospel fluency amongst our our group here, that we will be better equipped to proclaim the gospel as we move out to the dotted and the half circle. And for those who are like, what the heck is with the circles? Let me recap. This is the concept from the book that when I read, I was like, that is gold. That is exactly my experience of life. And what he explains is that there are three circles in which we exist. The close circle, read the word close, not closed close circle, the dotted circle, and the half circle. And the idea being that the best way to distinguish which circle you're in is to ask the question, who is the host? When we come to our gathered community as Christians, when we gather as a bunch of Christians together, the idea is that in God's house, Jesus is the host. We come to this space and we're hosted by Jesus himself. We submit to him and we open our life up to what he wants us to do in, our, in, his, in his plan. But when I have people at my house and I gather my friends and my family, I am the host. I am a Christian. I believe God is present. It is my role to tend to his presence. And that is a, a kind of weird phrase of the book and we might kind of, that might become more clear as we, as we expand through the book. But this idea that that I am the host and I bring people, some of whom are are Christians and submitted to Jesus and some of whom might not be. And it's my role to tend to God's presence and to love people and welcome people into that space. And then the third circle, the half circle, is where I go when I'm hosted by someone else and I go as a guest And when we're a guest, we have certain characteristics and certain postures, and one of them is to be kind of inquisitive and observant and to listen and to see where God might be working and to be open to God's presence being in that space, but we're guests. And this is especially important, I feel, when we come to the topic of proclaiming the gospel. Because as we, as we proclaim the gospel and go out through those circles, it will look quite different. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus sends out 72 of his followers on mission. He sends them to towns and different places to proclaim the gospel in anticipation of Jesus' coming. But listen to what he says to them about how to do this. Starting in verse 3, Go. I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Don't take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking, whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and then tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. The 72, before proclaiming the gospel were to enter as guests, wait to be welcomed, be fed by others, find people of peace, stay in the same house, tend to the needs that were there by healing. These missionaries are instructed to remember that they are being hosted and that they are to not proclaim the gospel until the environment is ready to hear it. Now, here are some things that I know about our community at h Trio. We are not stuck in a close Christian bubble. I would almost say that all of us are in our families and in our workplaces and in our communities, intentionally building relationships. I also know that we love well. We serve, we make meals, we we love on people, we listen. I know that. And I know that we genuinely want to see more of God's presence known in this world and transform people's lives. But I'd suggest that when it comes to proclaiming the gospel, many of us are a bit unsure how to do this effectively. Because we exist in various dotted and half circles, where we're hosted by others, we're careful. We're careful with how we bring Jesus into that place and when we mention him. And perhaps this sort of caution is wrapped and bound in fear and uncertainty. We need to spend time becoming fluent in the gospel. And this is best practiced as in sort of like a rehearsal best done in the close circle with others who also submit their lives to Christ. Now, I've discovered recently that I've actually become fluent in a new language. Didn't intend to, just happened by chance, read a few books, soaked in a few talks, and now I am fluent in Brene Brown. Anyone else? And I know there are a few. Sally, who I live with, we talk Brene Brown all the time. The conversations go something like this. In this situation, I was really vulnerable, you know, and they nod. Yeah. We'll get there. (laughs) I'm going to lean in. We talk emotional exposure and risk. We share a desire to be wholehearted in life and parenting and leadership. I've got some nodders. Yeah, yeah. We talk shame, storm, being in the arena, braving, daring greatly. And some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. (laughs) Yeah, I've got that. Rising strong, the story I'm telling myself. (laughs) The little one-liners and concepts link us to this wider bed of knowledge of all these books and all this stuff that we have spent way too much time absorbing and it comes so naturally naturally. And for those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, it's probably because you're fluent in another language. Lauren Saunders, Excel spreadsheets. Oh my goodness, she knows all the formulas. All the tricks to make a whole bunch of random data spit out exactly what she wants it to. Thousands upon thousands of random numbers all of a sudden become line graphs and charts and a whole bunch of things that we just have no idea about. And we change one figure and the whole spreadsheet just like falls in perfect unison. I I know a little bit about spreadsheets, but I've gone to Lauren when in need. Then there's people like Julian who use the word, like, pedagogy, like it's a normal word in a normal sentence. (laughs) Some of you, Tim, perhaps, know the dimensions of a brick, just like that. Standard brick dimensions apparently houses are built like that. Is that correct? And then if anyone's been watching House Rules, some of you know the difference between Acker and turquoise. I'm looking at Sally again. Some of us, like me, no idea. Thought they were the same thing-ish. The point is, we are all fluent in something. And it's something we've spent a lot of time absorbing, a lot of time reading, and we sprout it out in any given context so naturally. But how many of us feel that we're fluent in the gospel. And when I say the gospel, I'm talking about the life-changing good news that Jesus has offered us an entirely new way to live and that grace changes everything about life on earth and the life to come. We could all probably, hopefully, recite the basic Jesus events. Jesus born, Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Three days later, he rose again, ascended into heaven. Holy Spirit, forgiven of our sins, right? I hate to tell you, but that's not the beginning or the end of the gospel. That's a bit in the middle. The gospel is this eternal story of the relationship between God and his creation, And it starts at Genesis 1 where God made us in his image and it is not finished and will never be finished until Christ comes again and we see heaven on earth. And that gospel, the huge story of which the Jesus bit is in the middle, changes everything, every moment, every context that we face, every situation, every relationship. It speaks to that. It has an answer for that. Gospel fluency is being able to to read our circumstances and read our situations and be in conversation with people and insert Christ into that moment, whether explicitly or not. When you learn a language, you're only considered fluent if you can move beyond, can I have a baguette and I don't speak French? Because most of us who've been to France learnt the phrase, I don't speak French, just to get us by. We are fluent when you can put us in any context with any person and we can converse and we can answer questions and we can understand what they're saying and we don't miss things. Gospel fluency is being able to speak truth to every context and every situation. Paul writes in his letter to the Ephesians about the church's identity, about their conduct and about their mission. And he puts it all within the framework of Christ's cosmic rule over everything. After spending three chapters, half the book, reminding them about who they are and their identity in Christ, he turns to what this looks like in life, in church leadership, in the household, etc., etc. In chapter 4, Paul starts to list the ways that we can grow into the fullness of Christ, ways that we can mature. And he says that we should speak the truth in love. Now, many of you would have heard Jamie talk on this passage before. And if you've read um, Jeff Stelt's book, he goes into it as well. We've often misread this verse, speaking the truth in love, as brutal honesty. That to speak the truth in love is to tell someone their fly is undone, that their butt looks big in that, that they need to improve in X, Y, Z, speaking the truth in love. I love you, just need to be brutally honest with you. And we go from there. That is not what Paul is talking about. The truth being spoken about is the gospel. Speaking Jesus in love. Speaking the truth, the capital T truth in love. Keep this in mind as I read to you Ephesians four fourteen to 16. Then we will no longer be like infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Jeff Vanderstelt, who has written the book called Gospel Fluency, calls it gospeling one another. By gospeling one another, we are growing each other towards maturity in Christ. And the result will be that we won't be tossed back and forth. We won't be battered by life. We won't be distracted. Speaking the truth in love, gospeling one another, proclaiming the gospel has the effect of growing us towards Christ as individuals and together. And as we practice this skill in the close circle with other people you see in this room, I know that we'll find ourselves equipped to try this and to press into this in our dotted and half circles where people um, need to hear the good news of Jesus, but where Jesus says we're sent out as lambs among wolves. Now, I believe there are three things that prevent and hold us back from gospel fluency. The first one is the believing that the gospel is an individual thing for a one-time response. As I said before, if we think the good news begins with our sin and ends with the Jesus died on the cross event, then we'll have no need to proclaim the gospel. Unless we find ourselves in that opportune moment where someone's ready to hear and be converted, the gospel has nothing to say. That's the only moment that it's going to matter. The other um, blockage or, or... that's going to hold us back from gospel fluency is proclaiming the gospel before becoming present and i don't really think we need to say this at hro because i believe that we we understand this we have to become present with people we have to understand people jesus sends the 72 and he says don't move from house to house be there be fed be present wait for the opportunity And the third thing is if we think that we only proclaim the gospel to outsiders. We aren't going to become fluent in the gospel if we think that proclamation only happens in the half circle, out there with those that don't know Jesus. If we think that we're only to share the gospel to those who don't know Jesus, we will never practice it and we'll never get fluent. When Paul writes his letters... He is writing to churches, he's writing to Christians and what he does over and over is remind them of the truth to which they believe. He anchors unity, church life, sin, purity, households, leadership, love, he hangs it all on the gospel. The gospel is the why for all of that stuff. In Peter's letter, in his second letter, he says, so I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. Gospel fluency will come when we know that the good news speaks into each and every situation, every moment when we become present and when we first commit ourselves to reminding one another of these things. But how? How do we do this? How do we gospel one another? Jamie is a very helpful person in life. I'm sure many of you agree with me. He loves to hack ideas around. You bring him any sort of nugget, he'll work it through with you. And one day I was whinging about something, pretty normal, but, um, and he was helping me to process it and work through it and it was usual. And then we reached this moment, it was a few years ago, and I something flipped and he turned to me and he said, so where is God in that? And honestly, it was like being slapped in the face. I didn't know what to say, but I also was sort of in my mind going, oh, everything's going to change now. Because all of a sudden, we're not talking about the problem anymore. We're finding God. We're on the search for God. And when I have turned this question to other people, it always has the same effect. We go from talking about a thing or a situation or solving a problem to finding God and seeing if we can join him where he is. Gospel fluency begins with the discipline, which this book talks about. It's a discipline, a chosen thing that we actively pursue It's a discipline of choosing to find where God is, to proclaim truths that we know from the gospel and to submit ourselves to these truths. The gospel, the big, cosmic, all of life, good news that Jesus is king and is making all things new speaks into all the highs and all the lows of our existence on earth. And the practice of reminding ourselves of this grows us in our faith and shapes us to share this with others. So, as a way of responding, I'm going to start to give you the opportunity to gospel yourself. We started by considering where you might need good news today. Is it something for the head? Is it something for your heart? Is it something for your hands? And I want you to return to that sheet from the beginning. And I want you to consider which part of the gospel shines light into your darkness or truths you. Is it a reminder that God is? Is it a reminder that Jesus has? Or is it a reminder that you are? And on the screen I finished some of these sentences just to give you some words or phrases to think about. Is it that God is present, working, comforting, all loving, all powerful, going before you, protecting? Is it that Jesus has saved you, forgiven you, redeemed you, rescued you, made a way, paid it all? You are free, forgiven, restored, made new, holy, gifted, filled with the Holy Spirit, etc., etc. I want you to think about where is the good news for you in that. Take a moment, fill in your sheet, Jed Jed and um, Heather will come back up and we'll um, finish in that song again. Let me pray. God, we thank you for your big, amazing story. The story that starts with you making us and making a world that you loved and you declared as good. And we know that the gospel is this huge story that says that you have chased us and wanted us and longed for us. That you made a way for us to be made perfect in relationship with you and that was through Jesus. That Jesus is king. That he rules over everything. That he is able to bring peace and healing and love and hope and joy into any of our circumstances. We trust that Jesus is making all things new, and we want to join you in that. I pray that you would help us to see the good news for us today, that we would have a reminder of part of this gospel story, and that it would encourage us and grow us towards Christlikeness together.